Hey guys, welcome back to Kingdom Business TV channel. Thank you for watching. Uh, my name is Wes Hone. I'm the founder of Kingdom Business Movement. And uh, it's a delight that I get to jump on here and teach you and speak to you. You know, the last few weeks, um, I've kind of been talking a fair bit and putting content around, around investing and generational wealth. Uh, you know, last time we did some very spiritual training. And so this time I'm like, I want to keep mixing it up for you guys. So we're going to bring it down to something uber practical. And today we're going to be talking about recruiting your A-team, getting the best people on the bus, working with you and working for you, right? Uh, so I'm going to do it in four ways. I'm going to do four mistakes that people make and four to-dos, right? So there's a fair bit in this video. I'm going to keep it moving, keep it tight uh, and get you as much possible information as I can. Why now? you know, coming out of COVID. Now, you may be watching this video in years to come, just so you know, we're, we're kind of coming out of COVID-19. And uh, unless, you, uh, unless you're under a rock for six months and you don't know what that is, then you will know that, you know, it was a very interesting marketplace over the last little period of time. So we're kind of coming out of COVID and I'm looking ahead for the business people. Where are the opportunities? And one of them is in recruiting, okay? You know, some businesses let people go. Some, some government stepped up with stimulus that allow you know a lot of companies to keep their team uh, but ultimately right if we look ahead um, staff or team are cheaper now than they would have been six months ago right and the talent pool has just got bigger a lot of people lost their jobs through no fault of their own right and so you know today there are, there are people that are jumping like I'm helping I am helping I'm helping probably a hundred of our business clients recruit right now um, because it's a really big thing. And so you you probably will miss that opportunity if you're waiting six months, okay? There'll still be people that you could employ, but in terms of taking advantage of the, the cheaper marketplace and the bigger talent pool, that's kind of right now more than normal, all right? So that's that's the reason why, right? You, you need to be employing people, right? You can't build a great business on your own and you always need to be adding headcount to your business, okay? Or maybe I'll talk a little bit about why a little bit later, but you've always gotta be adding team. Team don't cost you money, team make you money if you employ the right people and you do it well. All right, let's get into this. Uh, look at a couple of little scriptures. I think I think the Bible has some wisdom around the kind of person that we should be bringing in the fold. Uh, so 1 Corinthians 15.33, you, you probably know this one. It says, do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. So if you've got a great culture, let's say you've got a team of five right now and you've got a great culture and you're winning and you're moving forward, you need to be really careful because evil company corrupts good habits. Evil company, bad people, pe people that are not on your team, people that, I'm not saying they have to know God, but they have to be equally yoked in their value system and things like that. They're the kind of people you want on your team because if they're not for you and you bring them in, then it corrupts your bad, your good habits, right? All the things that you're doing well, they will just come in and corrode all of those good habits that you spent time building up. So we've got to be super careful about the kind of person that we bring in. Uh, and then Proverbs 13, 20 says, he who walks with wise will be wise. And it goes on to say, but the companion of fools will be destroyed. And, and I mean, there are, there is a whole list of businesses that have that have gone bad because they brought fools into their organization and so they were destroyed okay so it does really matter who you bring into your business um you know what you know their worldview and how they think and what they think 
And, um, and a lot of those people who are corrupt that we need to be steering clear of, they obviously don't show that uh, you know, on their sleeve, right? And so we have, to be, uh, we have to be discerning, we have to be aware of the wiles of the devil, and we have to make sure that we are putting them through enough of a process that we can see their true character uh, so that we don't end up putting people on that end up destroying our business or getting rid of our good habits. All right, uh, mistake number one, people wait far too long to hire, okay? You, one of the conversations you should always be asking yourself is who, who would I hire next? Who would I hire, ne- even if you just put somebody on, who would I hire next? Who would I hire next, right? That, that's, what a, that's what a fast growth business does. Who would I hire next? Who would I hire next? Not, I've hired someone, I'll let it sit for six months. No, who would I hire next? Doesn't mean you have to, but who would I hire, right? Always making sure, because then you're forced to move the needle on the business because you're adding, more t- you're adding overhead, but you're also adding capacity and productivity and reach and all those sort of things, right? So who am I hiring? So people wait too long and they usually wait too long uh, because of the maths, right? They, you know, p- people think to themselves, you know, I, I've got to hire somebody for 80 grand. Now, I don't know where you are in the world. That could be low or high, depending on whatever, but just picking a random figure. You know, it's going to cost me $80,000 a year to hire this person. And so most people kind of go, well, you know, I need to have 80 grand or I need to have $40,000 buffer. You know, it's like, that, that's not how it works in a fast growth environment, right? You basically just need to fund yourself until that individual person is cash flowed. Now, let me explain, right? So every diff, like all the roles are different. You've got to look at, if I start paying somebody on day one, how many weeks is it or how many days, how long is it until that person the the productivity from that person, the increased productivity from that person, until that money hits the bank, okay? That means what's my dollars out, dollars in timeline? So just to put that in perspective, let's say I was employing a tradie, an electrician or something like that. Well, at the end of week one, the electrician's gonna want wages, right? So that's gonna cost me week one. But it could very well be that I can't invoice their work for four weeks right? And, and that could be the longest or whatever. And I don't get paid for another four weeks, right? 30 days end of month accounts. Well, that means I've got to be able to fund six weeks of this staff member. So, you know, if they're 1500 bucks a week, then I need $9,000 funding over that period of time to be able to start that person. I mean, maybe there's a car and a vehicle and a phone as well. Add those on top. I guess I'm looking at what's the minimum amount I need to fund it until that person actually produces me enough money that now they're funding themselves, okay? So it might be four weeks, it might be six weeks, it might be eight. There are other industries, architects, that might take six months before you know, you've trained them up or let them loose and they're doing their own billings. And they're... So all you've got to do is you've got to factor in how long until when I start paying them to when, to when they bring in money from their own increased productivity I've just got to bridge that gap. I don't need $80,000 to employ them, right? I might need eight, okay? Well, that makes life a lot easier to get in and get started, all right? When you work out that number, go and get that number from somewhere and start someone, okay? Stop waiting until you've got bigger buffers. Stop waiting for all kinds of reasons. Jump early and employ. The other mistake people make is they have too much of a rigid ideal on how this process is going to go. I would say to you, you've got to be super flexible in this world that we live in today. So don't be thinking, I'm going to run an ad. I need, you know, I I need a whatever woman, mum who can do school hours and she needs to be able to do nine to two. 
and it must look like this, or I need a full-time per, I'm like, so for me, when I'm walking our clients through this, when we have a really rigid view, it's a pretty low chance at the end that we're gonna find what we're looking for. My preferred way is I'll be a bit flexible on some of the aspects of the role if I get a winning candidate, right? So for example, um, I might say that I wanted somebody 30 hours a week to do a job and I run my process and I've got somebody that can do 30 hours a week and tick that box, but I've got a real winning person that can only work 20 hours a week. Well, I'd be more inclined to be flexible enough to go with the person that can only do 20 hours a week, right? Who is an amazing person who sold out, who gets the vision. They actually may very well be able to do 30 hours worth of work in 20 hours. That's a true thing. But I would just rather be flexible on some aspects of the job rather than be so rigid that I have to say no to these great people. I would rather find great people and change the role a little bit than, than go through a process of finding inferior people, but they tick every one of my boxes. I would rather let the market speak about who's available and either, I mean, maybe you can't make the role fit, but maybe you can a little bit and be flexible and then you end up with winning players who can learn. By the way, if you thought that was practical, do me a favor and hit the subscribe button and, uh, and you'll get the alerts when future shows come out. Mistake number three um, is that once they decide to recruit, they recruit too fast. You're right. Now, I'm talking to a, typically a, a bunch of churches, right? And if you're not, well, Jesus loves you. And uh, But if you are, like, there are many people that their entire recruitment process is to go to church on Sunday and ask around if anybody doesn't have a job. And, um, and you know, like, like typically, there's, every church has, like, that... Um, that, that senior, that mature uh, person who, who knows everything about what's going on in everybody's life. And that person will hear that you're looking to recruit someone and they'll come and see you after church and they'll put their bony finger in your face and they will say to you, hey, listen, you know, little Shaniqua hasn't got a job and, uh, and he'd be great. And so what happens is you end up employing Shaniqua. He's terrible, right? Because the reason why he's out of a job is because he should be out of a job because he's no good in his job. And now you've got to keep him because you've got to upset the people on Sunday if you, if you let him go, right? It, it, it's not, that's not a process. If you're running a professional company, you've got to put them through a professional process, right? You know, yes, you might have saved a few hundred dollars in recruitment costs by doing it that way, but you just give too much room for the enemy to sow tears amongst the wheat when you don't have a professional process to put people through, right? So when I say people recruit too fast, I'm going to say, slow it down. Add more steps to your recruitment process, right? Most people are like, I like them. They start Monday. No, 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 no. If you like them, have a phone interview, then have an official interview. And if you like them, take them for lunch before you start with them and sit down and get to know them as a human over lunch. Even if they've, if they've already jumped through the hoops and you like them as an employee, have lunch with them. Go, just go a little bit slower, add a step, and you'll catch a whole bunch of attitude or personality stuff in that lunch either good or bad, you know, that actually might shape the way you, you do that. And, and there have been countless times when we've done this and our clients have done this. And in that lunch, you've really got to see behind the curtain in somebody's life. And sometimes what you see, you don't like. And, uh, and you could not have known that in an interview because everybody can fake a good interview. All right. Um, here's, the, here's, the, here's the last mistake, is that people do not consider the generation that they're likely to employ. Right, so, so if you wanna make a role attractive, 
it needs to look different from a baby boomer than it does to a Gen Y, than it does to a Gen X, than it does to a millennial, okay? You need to have thought through the kind of age group that you are likely to attract, okay? Even if you don't have that, like when you get a candidate, if you're trying to you know, get somebody to leave a job and come to you, you need to change the way you language the role and the opportunity in your company depending on the generation that you're talking to. For example, a baby boomer is in the last few years of their working life. They want something very different from their time with you than a millennial who's potentially just starting out or it's only their second or third job. So you've got to change your language according to the generation that you are putting through the process. A millennial wants knowledge more than they want wages. They want a bright future. They want to see to be able to go through your company. They want random rewards. They want an amazing culture. You know, uh, typically a baby boomer, for example, are not wedded to those things. They're wedded to topping up their superannuation, whatever their investing accounts so that they're looked after in retirement. You've actually got to think through who you're talking to in your recruitment process and shift the way you communicate. Because if you don't do that, then you are gonna limit your rapport building and your ability to sell a great opportunity with your business, right? So change depending on the generations. All right, that's the four mistakes. By the way, I've got something for you. I've got something for you because I'm a nice guy. Uh, I created a one-page cheat sheet, right? So it, it says, what does God say about me? And basically, all, all it is, the whole the premise here is, I took a whole bunch of scriptures right, from all the way through the Bible, and I put like promises and kind words and identity scriptures on one sheet uh, so that you can literally just print this off and have it on your table or up on your wall. And during the day, you can start to meditate and chew on these scriptures, and they will change the way you think. They will renew your mind. They'll get you to see yourself, right, as a royal priesthood. Uh, and you'll start to understand who you are and whose you are, and that's going to help your identity. So you can have that absolutely free. Literally just go to kingdombusiness.com.au forward slash me, and you can download that for free. All right, the four to-dos, <clears throat> the four things that you absolutely must do if you're going to recruit people well and get your A-team. The first thing is cast a big net, right? A lot of people are a bit cheap when it comes to running ads to recruit their team members, right? You know, I mean, I even have people say to me, you know, we would typically in Australia use Seek as our number one platform. And, and I know that would be other places around the world too. People say to me, oh, but it's $300. And I'm like, but if you can't afford the $300, you can't afford the wage, right? So, so you want to cast a big net. But for me, I'm like, jump on Seek, jump on Indeed, maybe run an ad in the paper, put the call out through social media, cast a big net, right? You, you, do want to, you don't want to be taking the best of a bad bunch. You want to get your arms around a, the, the largest group of candidates, right? And then and let them filter themselves down to the winning candidates, okay? Do not be tight. So, when I, so I'm saying cast a big net, put your ad in as many possible places as you can where you're likely to be found because that's going to increase the candidate pool. Don't be cheap. Invest the money here and do it well. The second thing to do is you've got to have a position description and KPIs, right? Before they start working from you. So position description, basically it's, you know, it's two to three pages and it outlines all the expectations, who they report to, how many hours, you know, how does that all look, uh, the tasks and so forth. But basically what it's, it's not just a document for the sake of compliance. It's a document that sets them up for success. It's like, Hey, 
This is the role. This is the tracks to run on, okay? This is how you and I know that you are doing a good job, right? This is a, this paints a picture of the role. Take the time to document that, okay? Don't just copy one off. You can copy a template off, off the internet, but don't copy the details. Make it the role that you are looking to fill explain it, flesh it out in detail. Because the more handles you can give an employee, the more chance they've got of actually living up to your expectations. So take the time to document. And then key performance indicators, okay? KPIs, they go on the same document. Position description and KPIs are at the end of that document. Basically what this is, is it's, it's a metric, it's a number, it's measurable. And it basically says, you know, we would typically say go for between five and seven KPIs. Less than five, you probably haven't documented the role. More than seven, it's too many for them to be able to remember and think about. So five, six, seven KPIs. But it's, it's measurable, it's pass fail, it's yes, no, it's a percentage, it's a number. It's a conversion rate, right? And the reason why we do this is we're trying to remove all ambiguity so that your team members know that they're doing a good job and you know that they know that they're doing a good job. It also makes review time easy when you can sit down and say, you've got five KPIs here, you're really doing well on four of them, you're not doing well on the fifth one. What do we need to work on to get you up to speed on your fifth KPI, right? So that, but they can't be, they can't be positive attitude, feel good. They can't be fluffy because it's not measurable, right? There's got to be an actual number. It's a pass fail. That's what lets them know that you're doing a good job. The third thing that you need to do is you need to have an induction process, right? So um, basically, uh, basically, you know, they need to be trained in the fastest possible time when they start working for you. So the way that we run it is basically we have three sheets of paper, right? Um, and it's basically what you need to learn at the end of day one, what you need to learn at the end of week one, what you need to learn at the end of month one. And then in the first month of the working, you basically just list all of the tasks, put a little checkbox, and at the end of day one, you both sign it, you photocopy it, give them a copy, put a copy in their employee file, and now you both know that they were trained on day one. End of week one, you fill in a sheet, sign it off, give them a copy. At the end of month one, same thing. What that does is it takes it takes what you could potentially do in two months and does it in one month or three months and one month. It forces you to be a lot more intentional about training them, which is only a good thing from your perspective because they'll be up to speed sooner. It also sets the culture. When, when somebody starts to work for you and on day one, you're ready with a training regime for that day, they know that you're a structured, organized, results-driven company and they'll be like that as long as they're with you. When they get there and they don't see structure and they see you're on the back foot, you don't have a training regime, they'll know that this is a loose company and they can work at 80% for the rest of their life, right? So get that induction process down. The fourth thing is have reviews often. Reviews, for some reason, a lot of business owners are scared of them. I know they're sometimes hard to fit in the diary. I think with new employees, you wanna have a review at the end of week one, at the end of their first week, a short check-in. This is not a sit-down heavy meeting, it's a, Hey, how you going? Is there anything, any feedback have you got for me? What can I do to help you succeed? What can the company do to help you succeed? Just checking in with you. Do that at the end of week one, do it at the end of month one, do it at the end of quarter one, and then put them in your six monthly review process. And then you'll see that you, basically all you're doing is you're getting any kind of angst or mismatched expectations out early and you're really setting them up to win if you do that. So just coming back to what I said at the start, right? You need to employ team. You need to employ team. 
You can't build a great business on your own. There is not one great business in the world that is a single person. But like scripture says, you've got to be super careful about who you let in your world. By the way, if you didn't subscribe to my channel, do me a favor and do that for me right now, please. Hit the subscribe button and the bell and, uh, and then you'll get all the stuff that we're putting out. You know, I just want to invest in your business. And so if you hit the subscribe, you get the alerts and I'll be able to do a better job of doing that. Um, you know, the, the concept that I really like is inputs and outputs. Um, th there's only so much input that a single person can put into a business, right? When I was a single person operator, you know, I'd put in 60 hours a week. I would, I'd push everything I possibly could in that 60 hours, but I could only get the output of what my 60 hours input can produce. When you put a team on around you, I still put in 60 hours of input, right? I'm still pushing but I've got an entire team of outputs. So I can multiply my outputs, but I don't increase my inputs, right? In fact, I did a bit of a video on this and you may like it and we'll hook it up, uh, which you can go and watch it. There'll be a little pop-up up here and, uh, and that'll come on the screen. Go and watch it because it's an amazing video about how to progress through and increase those outputs as you go. But listen, you, to, to think like an entrepreneur, you've got to think about multiplying your own outputs. There's only so much you can do. You can't work 60 hours a week, right? Uh, and then double your outputs without working 120 hours a week, and that's not sustainable. So the way that you increase outputs without increasing inputs is you put that team around you, they pick up the slack, they do the work, they build the clients, they run the machine, and then you're running a business. So if you've got one person here today, I would say to you, please, please, please go find somebody else. If you've got two or three people, go find somebody else. If you're sitting there with 10 team members, please make it a goal to get 20. Make it a goal to get 30. You've got like the bigger the business, the bigger the payoff, the bigger the influence. So question of the day, are you recruiting right now? Put a, just put a yes or a no in the comments or as much as you want to elaborate on. I'm the one that goes in there. I read them all. I reply. I love engaging with you guys in the comments. So uh, are you recruiting? Yes, no. Tell me a bit about what you've got going on and uh, it'll be really good for me to learn. Anyway, bless you guys. I'll be back soon with another business teaching. Love ya. No sleep, no rest. Might crash, might. But first I stretch. Tell them run it all.